today on The Breakdown. It's superstar v. superstar for all the monies. Well, it's Daniel Negreanu against Nick Shulman. I'll say that. And they are playing in a $100,000 buy-in event. And first place is $1.5 million. And there are very few players left. So, yeah, I think you could say this was kind of a big deal, this hand. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Let me say this. Bluffs will be made. Perhaps hero calls will at least be strongly considered, if not made as well. Can you really bluff a calling station? Should you try? Let's get into it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. The year is 2011. January, in fact, the very beginning of the year. Can you believe the iPhone 2 has just come out? What a beautiful device. They have an app store for the first time. <laughs> the iPhone 2 probably came out before then. But yeah, 2011, yeah, one of January 2011 in particular was a good part of 2011 poker-wise because it was before April 2011, which was a bad mm. time poker-wise. That would be Black Friday, which we are still feeling the effects of somehow nine and a half years later. I had just recently bought a computer. I had moved to the West Coast and bought a computer just for playing poker in like December 20, 2010 or something like that. Uh, that was going to be it was just a dedicated online poker computer. <laughs> and then yeah. April happened. Yeah. It's just uh, 2011 doesn't sound like that long of a time ago. But when I look at this video that, that was suggested by Phineas Dickman with uh, Daniel Negreanu playing poker in 2011... It looks like the video's from 1984. Has video quality oh, yeah. really gotten that much better? What's going on here? I mean, it could just be Finnis Dickman's, you know, VCR abilities and TiVo it back is then. Not <laughs> this is a Poker Stars official video they put out of oh, Daniel Negreanu's really? like, plays. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. That is weird then, because that was on ESPN. The NAPT was definitely on ESPN. Uh, I assume Lon was, and, huh? uh, isn't, aren't Lon and Norman Chad doing the commentary? I didn't actually listen to the video. I just oh, watched well, that's, it. Oh, so. well, that's great, Grant. That's great. Anything else you and just how many chose not guys, to do? How many poker guys are there who were doing this, setting this hand up and everything? Just just one? Or should there be two, maybe? If you wanted to know who was doing the damn commentary, you could listen to yourself. Who cares? I'm sure whatever they had to say was terrible. We were trying to figure out if ESPN did it. That's why we cared. Remember? That was the point. Who cares if ESPN did it? You were just, you were just talking about it. Well, now you're attacking. Notable, I suppose. Stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I would guess just, uh, just we really had lower standards, man. Just, that just shows how um, how much bigger poker was then that ESPN was doing non-World Series stuff. They're doing the freaking NAPT. They did a lot yeah. of non-World Series stuff for a while. They used to do the Trump Atlantic City U.S. Poker Championship every year. I remember that. And they would really? do like eight or nine episodes. It was bananas it was fun to watch you know because you know because listen to this because you were just desperate for poker content yeah there's like four tables left and the guy who eventually wins the whole thing he limps under the gun with jacks there's like three limpers behind him it gets to the big blind who makes a normal raise sizing wise and the guy with jacks just folds he wins the thing wow the guy, How by the way, who, who raised the guy who raised with big in the big line did have pocket eights also, so it was like not a good fold even. It's just super weird. How long ago? How long ago was that? I would guess this is like two thousand and six or something. 
really that recent. I would expect that people would know how to call with jacks at least by 2006. Mm. This guy did not know how to call with jacks, but he didn't know how to win the whole thing. And Donald Trump like had a, like a, you know, there's like a little video of him at some point talking about what it takes to be a winner or something like that, you know, at points. And poker yeah, tips sure from Donald Trump. So. Great. Yeah, go ahead and buy those. Um, so this hand is 2011, not 2006. And yeah. it is, you know, some of the best players at the time, Daniel Negrano, Eugene Ketchelov. That guy was on fire for a while. There was like the Eugene Ketchelov, Jason Mercier era where those mm. two guys were just like winning everything. You remember that? Feels Vaguely. Like, feels like it was yesterday, but also forever ago. Time is weird, man. Uh, <laughs> and of course, Nick yeah. Shulman, who... You don't really know Nick Schulman for playing anymore. You know him for commentating because he does a ton of the Poker Go stuff and he does it very well. Speaking of commentary, that's uh, one one that we can say does a good job is Nick Schulman. Yeah. So good for him. Um, yeah, this was must have been one of the first 100Ks. I know the first one was at the Aussie Millions, right? Like back in the day, maybe in 2009 or something. And then it this was uh, the NAPT, the little... Two seasons of the NAPT back when there were just new poker tours cropping up everywhere, and poker stars had this whole global plan to have different regional poker tournaments everywhere the NAPT, the LAPT, the EPT, the APPT. They just kind of combined that into everything, into the yeah. poker stars tournament series, right? Which seems like the right choice instead of trying to regionalize everything. So, you know, some of these players are still such big names. In fact, like the final five players, the, uh, are Umberto Brennis, Nick Showman, Bring Kenny, Daniel Negreanu, and Eugene Kachlov. I mean, that's already super impressive. Let's play a little game of blend, bluff, back. All right? What? So <laughs> I'm going to pick three of these players, and you, get, you have to decide which of them you're going to bluff, which one you'd most want to bluff, which one you'd most want to back, meaning you're like stake them, and which one you'd most want to blend, meaning put in a blender in turn on the blender and have them die horrible. I don't want to do that to anybody. Why would you say that? It wouldn't have to be there. It wouldn't have to be all of them. It could just be some, some like their hand or something. I don't like, understand like why you have such a, why are you so violent? Blend bluff to back. Talk about this. Here we go. Can we not do the blend part? Jeez. Well, what would it be instead though? What, what other B word can you come up with that? It could be, that's better than bl- blend. Um, See, not so easy. Buttress. Is it? Buttress. buttress, that's sort of backing. You're already backing somebody. So buttress, what, are you going to provide um, emotional support? It's got to be, you know, fuck, Mary kill has the word kill in it, and that's what makes it interesting. Blend, bluff, back. It's the same idea, bro. Come on. Get, get into the game. It's okay. It's just imaginary. Who do you most want to blend? Okay. Pick one of these guys okay. to blend of these five. Umberto Brennis, Nick Showman, Bryn Kenny, Eugene Kachlov, and Dan Negreanu. Who will die a horrible death by your hand? <laughs> Umberto Brennis will be blended. Of course it's Umberto Brennis. Me too. All right. Next up, <laughs> bluff. Who do you most want to bluff in this group? Ooh, there's some interesting guys here. There's, there's two guys that stand out for me. So it'd have to be a different one because I feel like it'd be easiest to get the bluff through on Brennis. Sorry. Bre- Brennis is dead. You're not allowed to bluff him. And he's out of the game. <laughs> okay. It does, I, I was thinking more like you get the bluff through. So there's like, who are you going to feel most satisfied by bluffing? But maybe you're right. Maybe it's like, who would you... Who would you most feel like yeah, you get I would the bluff never, through on? I would never pick Negranu for this one because he's right. like the known calling station, right? But so. it would be satisfying to get a bluff through the known calling station. So it depends on how you want to do it. Okay. Who would you most want to have to bluff, I guess, is the better question. So it's like what you're saying. Who do you think is going to fold? Uh, this is probably tough. Shulman. Huh, I was going to go with Kachaloff, but it's one of those two good. for sure. Yeah, it's not, for sure. It's not Kenny and it's not Negranu. And finally, back. Hmm. Uh, obviously, knowing what I know now, I would back Bryn Kenny. 
I would not, Pat. I'd be backing Daniel Negreanu. Brent Kenny does lots of crazy bankroll decisions, and I know he won one big tournament, but he's gonna he's gonna drive us to the poorhouse eventually. I'm going with Negreanu. Oh, you? We have to back him for life. I thought it was just like, hey, here's a hundred thousand dollars to play a tournament. I mean, I don't understand. You're saying knowing what happens, so you get to pick which tournament, and you get to pick his biggest tournament ever. I mean, that these guys are all going to do pretty well. Okay. Nonetheless, Brent Kenny is the all-time money winner. Yes. Oh, we're just saying, you know, you're right. $100,000 for some unknown future tournament that's about to happen with all the best players yeah. in it. Who would we pick? Well, it wouldn't be Umberto. <laughs> and it wouldn't would be Kachalov. I would you pick Brent Kenny. Me too. Yeah, it's got to be Kenny. Because you know why? He's the, the all-time time, money winner, Grant. Yeah, at the time I might have said Kachalov because like, he was viewed as being so good. Negrani was not a bad pick either, I think, in this spot, though. I got to say. Yeah. I feel pretty comfortable with him. Uh, I would definitely, he's definitely my number two on this list. I guess probably Showman three, Catchlove four, Brennan's five. For yeah. Back. Obviously, the blend, right. the blend is really easy. Umberto one, Kenny two, Showman three. Oh, no. Kenny two, Negranu three, Showman four, Catchlove five. Like, pretty straightforward. I don't know. I don't want to lose Showman in his commentary. He's contributing to the poker oh. world way more than Catchlove oh. is right now. I just think of yeah, you're that's fair. I just think of Catchlove as being such a friendly, nice guy. How can you how can you how can you watch him liquefy? <laughs> <laughs> I just wouldn't be able to do it. I just wouldn't be able to but I guess, you know, we're different that way. Right. Yeah, good point. <laughs> anyway, this Shit was suggested dark. by Phineas Dickman on Twitter. Uh, we are the poker guys on Twitter. You can suggest it to us there. We are at the number two poker guys. That is where you su- should suggest. And uh Congratulations on coming up with your little game there. It's pretty fun. It's going to sweep the poker world, baby. Blend, bluff, and back. I guess so. Yeah. Although, the way it works, like, there's so many calling stations who are probably douchebags who I want to blend to, but I have mm-hmm. to choose not to bluff them. I guess that works. Then I can blend them. It's perfect. Yeah. You get to... You yeah. get to I mean, there could be some really interesting things if you know that's the game where you pick like three calling stations who are kind of dicks. You know, it's like, good luck. Good luck with that one. Flynn Buff back. Go. This is the new Laden Thinks, bro. <laughs> this I can't is not wait. the new Laden Thinks. Antonio and Locke are going to be playing this. They're like, all right, Jennifer Tilly, <laughs> Shannon Elizabeth, <laughs> Jennifer Harmon, Flynn Buff, Bluff back. Go. <laughs> it's obvious who they're going to bl- blend there, obviously. It's like 100%, right? Sure. Let's let's get to that. Bye bye, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. We believe there are four players remaining in this hundred k buy-in, which was a huge deal. I mean, hundred k's don't sound like that big of a deal anymore because they're so frequent now. But back in twenty eleven, it was like holy shit, it's a hundred k buy-in, which is kind of how it should be, right? Like we've somehow become immune to these numbers as the poker viewing audience, where these numbers truly are huge. Yeah. Like 100K is a huge buy-in for a poker tournament. It's because the poker economy is, you know, a bastardized fragment of what true money is because nobody has any of themselves unless they're rich businessmen. So it exactly. inflates all these numbers. It's weird. I don't, I don't know why you have to call them rich businessmen. You just mean rich guys, right? It doesn't really matter if they're businessmen yeah. or not. Um, You're yeah, right. The, That's just a common term that people use when talking about poker tournaments and, like, who the fish are. That's yeah, they, like it just, it's just a, I don't think they should say that. Um, but anyway, that's not the point. The point is, yes, you're right. The, the rich have sort of completely uh, warped the poker economy in these ways where people are playing million-dollar buy-ins and 500K buy-ins and whatever, 250K buy-ins, 
when no one has that much money except for like nine guys who are interested or 12 guys, most of whom aren't actually playing in the tournament. And it changed. It's, it's very odd. It's, it is odd. And it creates these weird and kind of unattainable aspirations for a lot of people who want to pursue a career in poker, you know, like the reality is very different. Like, you and I live the reality of like, if we play the main event, that's a huge fucking deal when we're yeah. not backed, when we're just paying, we're paying $10,000 for ourselves to play the main event of our money. $10,000 is a lot of fucking money. Like that's yeah. a big deal for one poker tournament. And the way poker has gone over the years with the way it's televised and what tournaments get televised makes you think that a 10 K is like, Oh, that's just a normal daily event. You know, that's totally. not true. It's a not huge amount all. of money. I remember, um, both times when I bought into the main event, like just putting my money in there and being like, yep, that's $10,000, you know? And it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. hope that all works out. We'll see and you move on. But yeah, like I actually, I remember in 2019 when I didn't play and people were like, why don't you want to play? And I was like, I don't really feel like losing $10,000 this year. You know, like I don't, I'm not, I'm not emotionally in a place where I can do that. I think I gotten slammed the year before by the crypto market actually. And I was like feeling a little poor. Um, fair enough to me, by the way. Good, good on you, kid. But yeah, dude, it's it's like real money. And so 100K, just not many people are buying in for 100K. I wonder, like, even the, the Helmuth Antonio Esfandiari heads up stuff, like, do they have all of themselves? I mean, it was originally 50K to play, so probably the first one. But does Antonio still have himself when he's buying in for 200 on the third one? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Probably it's not. Really I, would, I would guess you're going to try to sell some of that because, like... Yeah no matter how much of an edge you think you have heads up, it's not that much of an edge. Like th- your maximum edge is not that high. Sure. Right. It's like, so you, it's probably good to diversify that buy-in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I agree. Anyway, let's talk, let's talk about this. One of okay. these original hundred K's and all the excitement surrounding it. 2011, man, different time, I guess, because this hand's going to start with Negreanu on the button at 15 K 30 K with four players remaining. They're in the money. First place is 1.5 million. Second place is a million. And I think if if there are four left, there's either four or five, it's like a 350K, 400K payout for fourth, something fourth, like that. Fourth place is $400,000. Third place is 643. And like you said, a million for second and 1.5 for first. Okay. So this is going to start with Daniel Negreanu with 3.2 million over 100 big blinds on the button, limping the ace deuce off. Explain. Blend this guy. <laughs> Um, this is a surprising open, uh, unless Kachalov in the small blind is, is, has 15 or has like 20 blinds or less. It's a very strange limp. If he has 20 blinds or less, this, this was like a pretty common strategy there for a while. And, and actually still is done sometimes, right? It is. It was not a common strategy in 2011 at all. That was like 2016. I think it was earlier than 2016. Also, Negreanu was, was, was talking about doing it earlier than most. I know that I'm not saying he was doing it here, but only if Kachalov is really short. Does this even come into play? I know Negreanu and Shulman both have over 100 blinds. Um, but that's the only way that this you know, limping really makes any sense to me, with this hand especially, where you're really happy to steal. But I guess Negreanu thinks he can just outplay these guys so much post-flop if, if Shulman isn't short. that he's just And he wants to play small ball? I don't know. It's weird not to min-raise at least here. Like, everyone would min-raise here. I don't right? know. At like least. The, the hands that people, when, especially when it was very popular to limp against the like short shortish stacks that you were fearing the shove from. Um, you, there's usually more playable hands, ones that you're like, well, I really want to play this in position, but I don't want to open and have to fold to a shove. And ace-deuce-off is not a super playable hand. Like, it's, 
I think it's, it's pretty playable though against an, in an unraised pot against the blinds on the button. I think it's pretty playable. Like you have a pretty just, big edge. Just most as of far the time. forget about the scenario. As far as playability, you would never think of Ace Deuce off as like one of those fun playable hands. No, of course like, not. You're not sure. Yeah. Oh no, I agree with that completely. But people were limping a lot of hands that were either they have an ace in them or they're playable. Like, but an, an ace means if if no one raises, you're often in really good shape and. You get to play super cheap on the button against two wide ranges that aren't very strong. You know, I think that's yeah. the idea anyway. I'm gonna I think I'm gonna have to continue to fight back on this was the okay. strategy. Like it was a, at least four years before that became a strategy among the good players. I am pretty sure of it. Like we were definitely making poker guys content at the time that, that was a major strategy among the good players. Um we were talking about it for sure. I remember that. That's true. But I don't yeah. know how long and, I don't know when you know, they started doing it. And I don't think that strategy is used that much anymore because obviously the difference of one blind isn't so big if you're the 15 blind stack who's going to shove. So like, and it's also not that big of a difference if you're the opener. And if you get the small blind to fold a lot more by opening to two or two and a half blinds, it seems like opening is better than the limp anyway. I agree completely. However, those numbers didn't change in 2015 to now, even though, you know, like that should have been obvious then too, but I agree with you all the same. Um, the thing that's interesting is, so I'm saying like it would depend on how big Catchlaw's stack is. Maybe that was what was going on. We don't know how big Catchlaw's stack is, and there's a reason. It's because no one would tell us any of these things. We have no sense of how big anyone's stack is. We actually were able to engineer like with um at, with information after this hand how big Negranu and Shulman stacks were, give or take, which is all that matters in this hand. But um yeah, but it's possible like maybe Catchlaw has twelve blinds, and so Negranu is like, well, I don't want to open fold. This hand's too. So this is my in-between move, you know? I'm not saying this is a good play, uh, but that's all I can If Kachilov had 12 blinds and, and Negrano had over 100, you should just open and call if Kachilov moves in for 12 blinds. Yeah, I think you're right. But fine, if he has 14 blinds, 16 blinds, whatever, where, you'd really, yeah. where you're really not going to call off, but you want to see if you can... I mean, I just don't know the point of any of this. Like, I think you should just raise and, like, take the blinds down a lot, and it's fine, you know? Well... I don't know what would have happened if he raised. I think Shulman would have folded in the big blind, but I, I don't know what Ketchelov would have done in the small blind because Ketchelov has king nine of diamonds. Maybe he yeah. would have shoved, but Negrano could have called and been ahead. You know, that could have happened if Ketchelov had a callable stack. Either way, Ketchelov calls the small blind with the king nine of diamonds. And Nick Shulman in the big blind has six of diamonds, deuce of hearts. So probably would have folded to a yeah, race. Probably. Pot is now 106,000. Negrano. Kachalov and Shulman, Negrano with ace-deuce off. Kachalov with king-nine of diamonds and Shulman with six-deuce off. Flop is no good for nobody. Four of hearts, four of spades, queen of hearts. Checks around. Is this a massive mistake by Negrano to check the button? Um, the only reason to check the button is if you feel like these guys are playing back on these kinds of boards a lot because the fours are paired yeah. and you don't have very many fours, right? Otherwise, if you feel like there aren't very many check raises by these guys, it seems like you could bet one blind here and profit like crazy, right? Even if they are right. check raising a lot, you could probably bet one blind here and profit like crazy, honestly. Right. And it would just be pure equity denial. You most likely have the best hand with ace high on this board. Mm-hmm. So might as might as well take a shot, but I guess Negrano decided he's just going to see what happens. Sure, I mean okay. it's I mean in fairness, he's only put one blind in. The pot isn't huge, right? That is the other side of it. He doesn't have to try and win this pot. 
I mean, no. And these guys are more likely to check to him than not almost no matter what, because they'd expect him to see bet. It's not really see betting, but they'd expect him to bet sometimes. They expect him to bet more often than not, probably on this board. So I can see him deciding to check to sort of like wait and see what happens too. I don't hate a check here, but I, just, I would think a one blind bet is probably better. I don't like the combination of limping yeah. preflop and checking this board. I agree. I think you're right. And I don't know if maybe they did feel that way, but I know when I'm in a limped pot and I'm in the blinds, I don't have any preconceived notions about who's going to be the most likely better. As, like, I don't feel like there's an aggressor in the hand. You know, there's nobody who has the lead or has a reason to bet more than anybody else. Sure, that's true. But on, on a queen four four board, I would just, I mean, I guess you're right. The blinds could decide to bet too, for sure. But like the button is often going to bet, like we're saying, like we would expect the button to bet. Right, a, in yeah. a limp pot. So that's that's all I'm saying. Like that's the guy who's most likely yeah, to bet if you were going to guess. He also gets to see if there's two fair. checks in front of him. I mean, it's, it's it's a little more powerful. All right, that's fair. And what's more than fair is the damn poker guys tournament on damn nitrogen sports. Am I right? Damn it! You are so right that you've actually gone around the bend and you're wrong. Like you've you've, you've wow yeah you've it's like a polarity thing has happened. Oh, science is involved. Yeah. Nice job. Magnets. Ice. Ice has turned to steam and back to ice again. Cool. And that is the only way they can engineer this incredible value for you on nitrogen by mm. turning ice into steam and steam into ice. And back and forth, back and forth, over and over again. Somehow creates the greatest iterated value in poker, Jonathan. I don't know what the science is in between the like ice-steam process and resulting in this thousand buy-in guarantee that's capped at 300 players, meaning that it's guaranteed to be at least a, an overlay of 700 buy-ins. I don't know how the steam affects that, but nitrogen has engineered it. And yeah. we, we respect them for it. And we're a little bit fearful of what's coming next because of their great power. I mean, what, what amazing other incredible promotional things will people who use the link in this description of this podcast, when they sign up for nitrogen, get upon future technology and advances by, by nitrogen sports. I mean, if this is what they're already getting, just think about the, what amazing things the future will bring. Jetpacks, flying cars, the singularity. Who knows? It's, ama- it's really exciting to think about. I mean, what happens if nitrogen gets its hands on some magma and starts messing around with that? If you see or, what they do with ice and steam. Yeah. How about just some, magma, it's over. some grade A dirt, some really high quality dirt? I'd be afraid. Yeah, but but excited uh, too. It, the thing that people don't realize is how rare grade A dirt is and how yeah. valuable it is. You know yeah. how there's that kind of fun historical fact of like salt used to be more valuable than gold. Well, we're living in the modern era of grade A dirt being more valuable than gold, and nobody mm-hmm. knows it. No one talks there's about so it. So many chances, so many chances for arbitrage around the world with grade A dirt, and nobody understands that if you buy grade A dirt on the island of Kona in Hawaii and sell it in the Philippines, you're arbitraging at like 85%. Did you know that? I just gave away the game. I just gave away the game. I'm sorry. Shouldn't have done yeah, that. Yeah, but you know what? There's such high barriers to entry, it doesn't matter. Like, good luck transporting True. that grade A dirt if you, don't know how to, if you don't already have all the connections. Like, congratulations, you know something. You can't do anything with that knowledge. It doesn't matter. So you're... True. That, and that's why I we can I still have the industry on lockdown. I, I still got the arbitrage of grade A dirt industry on lockdown. That's I mean, good. that's the thing. But then there's, there's the other side of it, too. There's all the, um, all the revenue and revenue streams that come around, you know, someone like yourself trying to do that. So, like, while you're the guy mining the gold, or in this case, the grade A dirt, I'm the guy selling you the shovel 
you know, to, to do that. And yeah. like, I'm guaranteeing the profit. I'm making 15% every day. You're making 85, but like when you're dead or, or, you know, broke and another guy's doing this, I'm still making my 15%. And guess who's going to be rich in I'm, the end? Guess who's going to have the empire? Maybe if somebody, maybe somebody chooses blend on me in that game. Yeah. And then yeah. it's all over for me. Cause I got, no, and you swirl. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. That's rough. And if you if it gets too graphic, it's not good. Because then you think about like the eyes and like a red okay, swirl. Stop. See, that's what I'm saying. All right, stop that. But if you if you think of it more just like a fuck Mary Kill thing where you don't really think about how the death happens, it's fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. <laughs> what are we selling? Grade A dirt? I forgot. Um nitrogen nitrogen poker stuff. Yeah. It's unclear. It's unclear. Yeah, anyway, use the link in the description. You do get access to that tournament. I wasn't lying about that. It is yeah. the greatest iterated value that we're aware of in poker. Can't think of anything that would be better. So it's every month, last Sunday of every month, but you got to use the link to get in there. Let's get back to the hand. Okay. Got the four of hearts, four of spades, queen of hearts, flop that checked around, catch a love with king nine of diamonds, Shulman in the big blind with six deuce off, uh, one heart in his hand. Negranu with ace deuce off, no hearts in his hand. The turn is the five of hearts. This gives a gut shot to both Shulman and Negranu, uh, but it's not a good gut shot on a paired board with three hearts for either of them. Yeah. Of course, the three would be a really good card for Shulman because he would get paid by Daniel Negranu. Big time. That'd be nice for him. Anyway, catch a love checks. Shulman is going to bet. I think this is pretty clearly the right thing to do here with your like menial gut shot and... You could clearly have a four in your hand. You could have a queen in your hand. You could have a five in bet and be ahead of your opponents a lot of the time. I mean, you could also have the flush, right? Like you have the flush yeah. more than Negranu has the flush and now more than Kachlov has the flush, I would say. You have the yep. most flushes as of this moment before you've done anything. I agree. So this bet makes tons of sense to me. Shulman yeah. bets 75K. And honestly, I think this should end the hand, but it doesn't because Daniel Negranu calls with Kachlov behind. Yeah. Can you justify this, Jonathan Lovey? Um, well, he doesn't think Kachlov has very many calls at all at this point, right? He thinks Kachlov like, is almost always folding here. So really, we're just talking about Shulman. Negrano does have the gutter and ace high, and those are clearly those have to be really good reasons to be calling from his point of view. It's hard to actually justify it because there's three hearts out there, um, because we could be drawing dead in different ways to Shulman already. Um, I'm not sure what our plan is every time we miss. I'm not even sure what our plan is every time we hit. Sometimes when we hit, we hit a heart. That's not great. Um, if if Shulman checks the river, are we bluffing? Like, I don't even know if we think we're ahead or behind here. We have to think we're ahead to call, right? We just have to. I can't really reasonably justify this because it's a. if it was the five of not hearts, at least you could start to justify it. The fact that it's a heart makes it feel way worse. It's also incredibly unlikely that Negreanu has hearts because he checked the flop after a check to him. And so right. he can't rep much, you know? And there's, it just feels like Negreanu's hand is way more face-up than Shulman's is. It does. And even if Negreanu is right and he's ahead with some relatively decent frequency here. A lot of the hands that he's ahead of right now have a fair amount of equity against him going into the river. Like, I think a raise is a better play than a call if we're going to continue in this hand. Shulman has hands maybe like 6-8 with one heart. That hand has way too much equity against us if we're Mm. hoping for that type of thing, right? Yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, also, like, even if we call, what is the plan? On every every time we miss, we're just going to... What are we going to do on the river? Like, if Shulman bets again, if Shulman's beating us, sometimes he's going to bet again. 
if Showman is beating us, sometimes he's going to check and we're just going to lose. And if he's losing to us, a lot of times he's going to bluff us. It feels like we lose in all three of those scenarios. Like, it's hard to come up with a scenario where this works out well unless we improve and we're good. You know? Like, yeah. we have to already not be drawing dead. I mean, if Nick Showman has a hand like 4-3, we're drawing dead. Yeah, that is... <laughs> we're drawing dead against a lot of hands. I mean, hearts, 4-3. Uh, it's bad. It's a bad situation. But the grinder does call. Catch love, of course, folds. Yeah. Pot is now 256K. The river is the eight of diamonds. So the board's now four, four, queen, five, three hearts, eight of diamonds on the river. That means six, seven got there, uh, yeah. which I suppose either player could have, mm-hmm. right? Feels like Shulman's got a bet, right? He's got a rep, either a flush, six, seven, or a four. Oh, yeah. I mean, with the, you have the nut low and you block the straight. And Negreanu almost never has a four and almost never has hearts. This feels like a pretty great time to bluff. So he does. He bets 155 into 256. What's the bottom of what Shulman is repping? Could he have a queen? Could Shulman have a queen? It's possible, I guess. But there aren't very many queens I think he would bet here. And there aren't very many queens he can have that would fit into the queens he would bet. Meaning, like, if he had ace, queen, or king, queen, he almost certainly raises those pre. He's often probably raising queen, jack as well. Certainly queen, jack suited a lot of the time, at least. But maybe he's betting. I I think the worst possible hand he could have is maybe queen, 10, or queen, jack. And I don't even know if he can really have that. But but I think it's at least possible he could bet that for value. Against it's Negreanu. possible. Against Negreanu. Yeah, I mean, you're just hoping that Negreanu limped like a pocket pair that's between the eight and the queen then. Maybe you can get heroed by ace high sometimes like Negreanu has, but that's, that seems a bit ambitious, doesn't it? Um, it's ambitious, but maybe like seven, eight, six, eight, uh, five, six. Also, our hands that Negreanu might have played this way. Negreanu is such a calling station that we probably have to consider going for value when he himself is capped pretty hardcore. Granted, he could have made a straight. But um, beside, but we're going to pay off a straight anyway, probably, on the river. Like, we're, if we check, we're probably going to have to call, unless he sizes it really big, which Negreanu usually doesn't. So I like the idea of betting to try and get called by these, like, one pair worse hands, or, and maybe once in a while ace high, but I wouldn't really expect ace high to be in there. Okay, so all of this to say this is a really good bluff, because yeah. Negreanu is seemingly quite capped unless he has a very deceptive line going on here, which is not super common for Negrano. He's usually trying to figure out other people's deception rather than doing the deceiving himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Negrano is pretty capped and Shulman has just a vast swath of value going down to potentially as low as queen 10, but it's certainly easy for him to have every single combo in the deck that contains a four. He has plenty of flushes, probably the majority of flush combos in the deck, maybe not some of the ace-high flushes, maybe not some of the king-high flushes, but most of the flushes he has in his range here. He, of course, has 6-7 in his range, right? So, like, yeah. all 16 combos of 6-7, it's not even worth trying to count the combos because it's so many. It's a really good amount of value that Shulman could have here, right? Yeah, it, absolutely. It feels like that is totally true, and that makes this a really great bluff. Right. So if you're Negranu, then... You should be concerned about that, and you should probably fold because the only it's hard to come up with like natural bluff combos. You just have to put him on range advantage bluffs, right? Just like he's going to bluff this card because he thinks he has more strong hands than I do, so I have to call sometimes. Yeah, he's got to have a no showdown uh, bluff, so that would be something like the King of Hearts, which I guess he could have. 
Um, a yeah. hand just like this, but there aren't even very many gut shots that don't have anything else now. But okay, here's one. Um, uh, not much else to come up with unless he took some weird air shots also on the turn, which I guess is possible, but not super likely three-handed. And the reason we're even talking about this, by the way, is because Negreanu calls. Yeah. So we're going to have to discuss that because obviously it looks amazing. He's correct. He somehow calls with ace, deuce, no heart on the 4-4, four, four, queen, 5-8, 3-heart board. Yep. That's just like one of those obscene things from back in the day that I'm sure in 2011 when I saw that, I thought like Negreanu is the greatest hero caller of all time. Yeah. But upon inspection right now, it feels like it's just a mistake even though he happens to be right this time. Now, maybe he had some sort of a physical tell on Shulman. Maybe that could be part of it. Well, I'm curious to see if we can examine this from Negreanu's point of view and find any poker reason to call here. At first glance, I can't come up with any. And so all I have is he has got a, he's got a read on Shulman slash he's a massive calling station, which, you know, those things really conflate into each other a lot, I think, anyway. Yeah. Um, but let's see if we can come up with any poker reason to call here. Um, you know, like if we're online, can we find this call? Okay, here's one. Here's one thing I can come up with. Maybe is that when check through Negreanu seen Shulman take this line, which is basically just bet bet, like, like kind of constantly. Like he is just hyper aggressive in this spot and will always go, not always, but some really high frequency of it. Um, go bet bet here with air, and so at least you know, like yeah. he doesn't have to have it. He re- like sure he's got a lot of value, but actually he has more bluffs than you would think because once once catch love checks. Shoma's basically betting his entire range a lot. And then he's always going to follow through on, on a bunch of rivers. Yeah. We will never know if Shoma's betting his entire range yeah. or not, because we do know that he had at least a, a bit of a reason to bet. I mean, sure. The range advantage is the easiest reason to bet. You, you have plenty of trips in your range and plenty of flushes when you start betting on the turn, but he actually has a hand that has equity against most things. Unless Negrano was super slow playing on the flop or didn't bet a flush draw or something like that, which seems rare. Yeah. So it fits into the bluffing category nicely, other like unlike a hand like nine ten of spades that has nothing going on on this board. Like if Shulman has nine ten of spades in his range here, it makes plenty of sense to call as Negranu. But the only evidence we have is that Shulman actually had a hand that makes sense to put in the bluffing range, which makes me think that a player of Shulman's caliber probably is only doing these two barrel bluffs with hands that have a sensible reason to be doing it rather than just random hands, right? Um, it seems like that's the case. It's hard to know based on this one hand yeah. though, right? Like it's possible he's doing it with six deuce and he's happy to have some equity, but he's also doing it with nine, 10 of spades and everything else. And so if that's the case, then Negrano's calls are at least justifiable, right? I don't know if they're justified, yeah. but they're, there's something we could really, we could start to say, okay, if, if Shulman's just firing all the time here, then ace high is probably good enough of the time based on the price you're getting, blah, blah, blah. Plus you have some equity on the turn, blah, blah, blah. Um, but we're just saying that, too, like you're saying. Like, we don't actually have any reason to say that except Negreanu called twice. Like, I'm reverse yeah. engineering it into Showman must be betting a lot on turns and rivers in this spot. I don't even know how often Negreanu is going to see Showman in this spot where, although, you know, where it checks through on the flop and then Showman bets. Like, how often is that going to happen at a final table? I guess they've been playing against each other a lot, though, over the years at this point. I Yeah, I guess there could be some player history to it, but... This is all guesswork, so we have to go yeah. with what we know. And I think it just the pure amount of value combos that Shulman can show up with here is enough to make this an easy fold. Like I know we already talked about that, but I want to circle back to it. Like I think we probably 
casually mentioned at least a hundred combos of value that make perfect sense for, for Shulman. Right. And um, yeah. And even if you want to tighten up a little bit and say, he doesn't really have Queens. He's not really betting Queens here, which I think he probably is, but maybe what, well, let's say we're wrong. It still feels like there's a lot, just a lot of value there. Right. I mean, there's all of the combos of every four in the deck. He's yeah. in the big blind. He checked. There's 16 combos of six, seven. There's every combo of hearts that he didn't raise preflop. We're probably at a hundred combos almost, but like, already. I mean, there's, there's all 16 combos of six, seven, of course. Yeah. I said that. Oh, I'm on you? top of that. Well, yeah, fine. Okay. So we don't need to beat that point home too hard. It's just like, clearly there's a lot of value. So the next piece of it is then, okay, where do I fit in my distribution as Daniel Negreanu? Clearly he doesn't fit anywhere good as far as blockers are concerned. He has, if he had the ace of hearts, this would maybe be a little bit more justifiable. At least he would block mm-hmm. flushes. That would be good. Although it, that might play better as a raise. It's anyway. got to play better as a raise. So right? he doesn't have any, he doesn't block anything that he wants to block, right? As far as I can tell, he's blocking nothing interesting. Yeah. Okay, so how about hand strength? Ace high. Is ace high the best type of hand that Negrano can show up with? Maybe. I don't see how. He can have a he should be able to have a five here. He should be able to have an eight here almost no matter six, what. Seven. He should probably have six seven here. Well, sure. That's a really strong one. Um, yeah. But I'm saying I'm trying to think of like other like things like that are even like in the same general neighborhood are still like like yeah. This feels like the worst hand he could ever call with, not like among the best, right? This is the worst hand he even can sit. Like that we even get to, I guess there are, there are other hands we get to the, to the river with that are like draws that we pick up on the turn, right? With one heart and maybe a straight draw also or something or some combo of that. Or like um, king 10 with the king of hearts or something like that. Sure. Um, what were you saying? Six, eight, maybe sometimes. Although no, and six, eight is a pair anyway. Um, so there's not much. There's really not much. Okay. So we're near the bottom of our distribution and our opponent is like accurately representing tons of value. Mm-hmm. I think this is a bad call by Daniel Negreanu. Yeah, I don't really know a way ar- around it. I agree. To say that. I mean, again, Negreanu took a lot of pride in being able to read people. I don't know if he actually was good at reading people. He, I know he's able to call up people's hands sometimes because he was good at ranging people, but lots of people are good at ranging people. And like, I'm sure you've done this. I'm, I certainly have called out people's hands a lot, too. Now, Negrano famously has done it way more on TV and stuff like yeah. that, and that's cool. But a lot of times, if you do the stuff, you can narrow it down to, like, four or five things. And, you know, you can say, yeah, it looks like pocket sixes. And then you're right sometimes, and it looks brilliant for someone who doesn't know what the hell's going on. But if you get what's going on, it's, like, it's cool, but it's not impressive. It's not, like, shocking, you know? Um, I think is a calling station and didn't want to fold and thought he had a read on Shulman and maybe had a read on Shulman. <laughs> I want to believe that he had a read because for all we've said about how we don't think this makes too much sense, Negreanu clearly has had a ton of success. And yeah. in, tw- in 2011, he was, I, maybe still, but in 2011, he was certainly among the best tournament players in the world as far yeah. as his success rate. So there's for something sure. going on here that he's doing correctly. This isn't, he, he makes fun of himself for being a calling station. Other people make fun of him for being a calling station. That's not all he is. He's, he's a reasonable, thoughtful player. I just can't make sense of this one. I just don't know what's going on with this one. Right. Um, I mean, th- before we even started talking about the river, I was thinking to myself, before I even said it, I was like, if this isn't a live read, I don't see how we're going to get anywhere with this. Like, I don't, I don't see how it could be anything but a live read. Um, 
So maybe it's a live read. Maybe he actually has something on Shulman. He will sometimes like be sitting there and not necessarily know what someone has, but be like, oh, I think you got it this time. Or I don't think I think you're yeah. just screwing around this time. And it's not it doesn't feel like range stuff. It feels like something else, you know. Now, Shulman yeah. is at this point is younger, but also a very, very good experienced player. I think he's already won a WPT by now. It's 100K buy in. Um, he he belongs there. You know, he deserves to be in this this field. I'd be surprised if he had a lot of obvious tells, but maybe Negrano picked up something. Sometimes these guys pick up things on each other, right? So maybe yeah, that's what... If it isn't that, I don't know what it is. I mean, this was maybe the beginning of, but not... The complete robot had not yet been constructed of the young poker pro mm. who, like, does everything to make it so they're unreadable with, like, the muscle control of their arm when they bet and stuff like that. We weren't quite there yet. So maybe Shulman did have something that Negrano could pick up on. Yeah, and also the fact, maybe the fact that Shulman was younger, he hadn't played as much live, even though he'd already won a WPT, so he's playing some live at this point. But he, he was mostly an online guy at this point, I think. Maybe there was mm-hmm. a few more tells. If you remember the, the, the TV show Tilt, when they were playing in the World Series of Poker, the online player who's really good, he has a tell, and the tell is he like clicks his finger like he's clicking a mouse anytime he has... Uh, <laughs> really? I think he, anytime he has like a good hand. And so like our player notices that Michael Madsen notices that and like uses it against him and like folds at some spot. Cause the guy's like sitting there just touching his finger as if, as if he's clicking a mouse. I mean, it's the dumbest of course, shit ever. Of course that 2007 show on ESPN would take the side that like the old school pros are really the best pros because they have all these special abilities well, and the online guys can't really hack it. I mean, Michael Madsen is the hero of the show, and it's not, they're not going to make that an online kid who's really boring. I mean, that's yeah. not the plan. So, it's, of right. course, I mean, yeah, just from a narrative point of view, that's, it's never going to go the way you just described. It's, I mean, definitely a better, it's definitely a better story to the general yeah. public, for sure. Yeah. That the, the feel player is really the one who knows what they're doing. That's what everybody wants to believe, right? I mean, that's, that's the poker mythology, right? It's like you look at the yeah. man and you decide if he has it or not. You put the man into a decision. You, you, know, you make this tough call. You read him and you make the, the courageous call or the big fold or whatever it is. You make the crazy bluff. Like that's what people think of poker as. And of course, there is some of that, but there's actually not so much of that in reality, right? Like mostly it's pretty standard stuff. And then once in a while, you're in a really big spot where this, all this stuff comes into play, right? Yeah. I know I've probably talked about this before maybe a year or two ago but uh it's been a while since i played live poker but when i did play live poker one of the things that helped me out was i actually was pretty good at judging a player's comfort at least and sometimes mm-hmm. even picking up tells I'm, I'm pretty decent at that i've even done it to you sometimes jonathan yeah absolutely and, uh and i think most people who have played with me would say that i'm like pretty good at that but still there have been tons of times in my live poker playing career where I really think I understand what's going on based on that live tell, and I'm just completely fucking wrong. I like, mean, it's not it's not that valuable. I think it's like maybe a two percent extra edge uh, over a million years. Like, I mean, I think you're really good at that too, and you absolutely used to have like kind of a dead read on me for a long, long time. I had to really, with your help, actually work on not having that for you. Like most people couldn't get a read on me, but you like seem to know exactly what I was trying to make you think. And so I got to the point where I could finally be neutral against you with, with your help again. Mm-hmm. But I've seen you to your point, like make, like I've been sitting next to you in a big poker, big ish poker tournament, like call off your life in a certain spot where I'm just like, what the hell, man? And you think you have a read. And it's like, I'm sitting there like, this doesn't seem like, like, I don't know why you thought you had that read, yeah. you know? And it's like way off, you know? And so that's your point right. of like, you just, even if you're good at this, it doesn't help that much. It's not right. You're not, you're not able to walk around and know what everyone's thinking. You can't mind read. That's not how this works. 
That's just the, all this that's to say. All this to say, this whole like giving your runner credit for having a physical tell on Shulman doesn't bear that much of of a value to me as far as the analysis. Like it's just all we have, but it can't mean anything near as much as the rest of the poker and the math involved. Mostly that's going to be true. And I would think against Shulman that would be true. But certainly, and to, to sort of go against what we've just been saying, once in a while you're up against someone who gives you a tell that is powerful enough yeah. that you can actually throw out almost all the poker, right? You can throw out almost everything else. True. Like, I remember, like, this is a long time ago now, but, like, I played up. I had just literally doubled up the hand before, and some guy opened. I defended my big blind with, like, king five suited. I flopped a five. I checked. He looked, stared at me like I was the most intense person in the world and bet. And just kept staring, so I was obviously calling anyway. On the turn, he bet big, but he stared like four holes into me with his eyes. You know, it was so intense. And I was like, how can he have it? So I called, and then he shoved the river. And I was like, and he kept doing it. And I was like, I guess I call. Like, I don't know. Like, good for him if he's faking it. And I called, and he's like, do you have a pair? After I called, like, <laughs> three barrels all in. I was like, yeah, I have a pair. And he was out, you know. And I never would have done it except for that. So, of course, there is that, too, Right. Once in a while, but I would think Shulman isn't doing something so obvious. Yeah. Almost, I mean, the almost tough, always. Stuff you're talking about, the stuff you're talking about is clearly amateur stuff. Yes, it's like of course. The, the the guy who is definitely not double reversing you, who sighs and thinks about it on the river after yeah. you bet into him, and then goes all in. Like always has the nuts. Always. That's not Nick Shulman. Nick Shulman right. is elite. Right. Like, he's not doing that. I agree. Now, may, but maybe from Negreanu's point of view, and Shulman's doing a few things that like the young online kids who haven't been playing forever are more apt to do, you know, something which, which displays like his level of comfort or not. The thing is this, if you're in a ground and you've got a read on Shulman, you might want to raise anyway, just in case, like you would hate to yeah. call here and have Shulman be like, yeah, I just have deuces. You win, you know, like I have, yeah. you know, or whatever. And you'd be like, Oh, like I've got a, I've got a seven, you know, and you're like, no. <laughs> so it, it seems yeah. like a raise is a better play. If you think he's bluffing anyway, at least a lot of the time. So it's really an odd just call by Daniel here. It is, but it ended up on like the poker stars top five. Daniel Negreanu plays that they put out in 2014. Which I'm huh. sure they've done updated versions since then. Yeah. Because I, I wonder what Daniel would call. say. I wonder what he would say about this now. Cause he will say when we talked to him back in the day, we, we interviewed him. He said like, sometimes, you know, I make great plays and sometimes I just make big mistakes. Like, you know, sometimes you're trying to figure out what I'm doing. The answer is I'm just making a big mistake. I wonder if he would look back on this and say like, yeah, I got lucky that he happened to be bluffing there. Or if, or if he'd have like, yeah. no, 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 I called for this exact reason. I'd be curious. Yeah, me too. In the end, I'm not a fan of the call, but no, whatever. How did, uh, how did this thing end up, by the way, as far as positions who ended up winning? Well, I'm going to tell you right now because people care about these things. Uh, Showman finished fourth. So, you know, good on him. Third place was Bryn Kenny. Daniel Grano did win a million dollars, but first place went to the quiet storm, Eugene Kachilov. This was his, I think this was yeah. one of the biggest wins and maybe even still the biggest win of Kachilov's career, actually one and a half million dollars. So does he even play anymore? Not, Who knows, I mean, man? Not on TV. At least I haven't seen him on TV yeah. for a long time. It's hard to stay competitive against these fucking guys. Everyone's so good. Yeah, I compared hate to what they used to sucks. be, like Kachilov spent his time like beating up like old school poker players who comparatively are terrible to what what you have to face now. So unless he improved right. a lot, I wouldn't be surprised if you know he just gets like grinded ground up into the gears of like poker evolution. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose that's what happens. Yeah. All right, let's let evolution continue without our voices. 
Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm gonna be traveling the globe, but still have time to make it.